Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. So friends, I have, I have a confession. You, you, you may be shocked to hear this, but I'm sometimes a nonconformist. Anybody shocked? Real shocked. <laughs> so here's the deal. Uh, back in about uh, 1984, I want to say, I'm guessing that's about the time it was. I've been in the Marine Corps about three years or so, and I started to get what we call salty. Uh, you understand what I mean, Craig, right? Salty, right? Okay. When you've been around the Corps a little while, you become what we call salty, salty dog or an old dog. Okay. So uh, I was a, a Lance Corporal and, and uh, I think, yeah, still a Lance Corporal at that point. And, uh, and I had this problem with the Marine Corps. And my problem was I did not like olive drab green uh, socks. <laughs> they were wool. I didn't like them. And they stretched at the top no matter what you did, and they would always slide down, and, and I hated them. And so what you had to do, uh, it, back in, in those days, it's different now, you had what we call boot bands. It's just a big uh, thing that, you know, that you, you would tuck up underneath your, the bottom of your pants, and they would go uh, between the first and second eyelet of your boot. Well, I didn't, I didn't wear them there. I wore them up, up on my leg to hold the socks up. A lot of Marines do that, right? I imagine the Army does the same thing. I don't know. But it, so anyway... Um, but the problem with that was I wouldn't wear those gosh darn green socks. And so I decided I was going to wear white because I preferred the white socks at the time, you know. And so I had them on. And when I, you would sit down, sometimes uh, you, you, they would pull up and you could see the white socks. And nobody really seemed to care except for this one sergeant that I couldn't stand. And he constantly berated me about those socks. To the point that he threatened to what you call write me up if I, if I didn't put on the green ones. And I said, it sucks. No one's going to see them unless I pull them. They're not going to know. Why do you care? Because that's not the regulations. I'm still, I still fail to understand the big deal about that. But I was a nonconformist. And what do you think I did? I wore the white socks and to the point that he brought it to a head and dragged me in before my sergeant, and my sergeant said, you know, just wear the green socks. That's okay. And then later he called me and he said, listen, it's not the fact that you are wearing the white socks, it's that they can be seen. So find a way that they're not seen. And so you know what I did? So being the bright, industrious individual that I am, I cut the tops off the green socks, pulled them over my white ones, then all you could see, and then put the boot bands around that. And so then, every time my pants would come up, all you saw was green. 
Listen, where there's a will, there's a way. In the Marine Corps, we have a saying, you don't have to like it, you just have to do it. Mine never matter. You know mine? It don't matter. I now realize, because I'm older, that probably I should just conform because it was regulation. Plus, I was ordered to do it. But what I had done was disobedient. It doesn't matter if I liked it or not. It doesn't matter what I thought. When I signed on the dotted line in the United States Marine Corps, I said I would. It was a violation. And later when I became a sergeant and then later on as an officer, and I would watch young troops do the exact same thing. At first, I tried to hold them to it because well, I was the officer. And then a very, very wise first sergeant said to me one time, you know, you used to do that same stuff. Sure did. And I began to realize that what I needed to do, rather than just saying, do this because, say, listen, come alongside them, make them understand. Give them every, every opportunity to correct it and do it right. Showing them the reasons why. And I've, I've always tried to do the same thing with my children. When they would ask me why, when I told them to do something, I would tell them why. So that they would understand it. But you and I both know that sometimes people don't care why. They hear the why, it's not good enough, and so they're going to go, go along with what they want to do anyway. And I, I think that happens. And I think eventually you have to put down the law and say no, because I said so. Because <laughs> I'm the captain and I said so. Because I'm the dad and I said so. Because I'm the boss and I said so. But I also believe that there ought to be a nurturing up to that point, to hope, hoping they'll conform before that. And if you teach them why, They'll understand. And, and, and I struggle, friends, when people fail to obey the Word of God. Because God has made every effort for us to not only understand the Word, but know why. And all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is study. All we have to do is be in there. It does not matter as Christians whether we agree with God and His laws or not. It does not matter if we think God is unfair. It does not matter... If we think there ought to be another way. <laughs> I, wish we could, I wish we could have that where we could say, but it, it, it doesn't. Because God is God, period. And in the end, He is the one that's going to make the decision where you belonged to Him or you didn't, whether you were obedient or you weren't, and whether you really are righteous or not. What you think, what society thinks, what your pastor thinks, what the church thinks doesn't really matter. What matters is what does God say. And so when people come to me and say, you know, what do you think I should do about this? Or what do you think about this? You know what I tell them? Well, let's go see what the Word of God says. Because in that, can't go wrong. My good friend, uh, uh, Scott Longyear, and I were talking here a couple months ago. And I, 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 said, uh, I said, Scott, so... Uh, what do you do when people ask for your opinion? He says, boy, I found not to give it. Yeah. You know why? Because the thing is, <laughs> my opinion might be wrong based on where I am in life at that day, that day, whether I'm upset or not, or whether I've had a good week or not, or whether I'm really, honestly, ignorant or not in my understanding of what the Word says. But I find that when I'm in the Word, then 
God always seems to bring that back to my mind when I have a question. But if I'm not in the Word, it doesn't come. If I spend time in the Word that day, sure enough, somewhere within that week or soon thereafter, that verse, that Scripture is going to come to my mind when I never thought I would need it, and there it is. And God said, see, how many of you have seen that happen before? 100%. So as we continue in our life lessons from James, I told you James is in your face. He's bam right there about everything. And, you know, we don't like to hear those things sometimes because sometimes it hurts and sometimes it's harsh. But James doesn't play around. He says, you know, look here. In part, in part of our scripture today, you're going to find out, don't just listen to the word, do it. <laughs> do what it says. You wouldn't think that that would have to be in the Word of God. You wouldn't think that somebody would have to tell you, don't just read it, do it. I mean, doesn't that, isn't that automatic? Apparently it isn't, and it wasn't then. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1 as we look at life lessons from James obeying the Word of truth. Scroll down, if you will, to verse 22. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today. Whatever version you have, that's fine. We're going to skip all over the place today in different versions of Scripture because I found some really cool verses in some of the kind of unknown uh, versions of Scripture that I think are really cool. So uh, chapter 1, verse 22, listen carefully. He says, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, I might add, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Wow. Now, you know that the Bible back, way, way back when was written in you know, the uh, male vernacular. Okay, But that doesn't mean it's only men that need to do this. <laughs> I just want to make sure everybody in here knows that, okay? All right? Because I think, I, at first, I used to struggle with what, what James was trying to say there. What's he talking about? Look in the mirror and forget what you look like? I think sometimes I see the receding hairline, and I, it's, it's hard to get that vision out of my mind. Anybody understand that? Right? No manner of makeup is going to fix what ails me. I'm telling you right now. Now, my daughter, Carol, used to sit on my lap when she was a little girl. Of course, she's, you know, married and Taylor University graduate and whatever. And this, this young lady used to sit on my lap and put makeup on me and do my hair. And sometimes I couldn't get my hair to calm down for a couple days after she did it. And I think I blame her for this anyway. But either way, uh, you know, but she put makeup on me. And my wife used to tell me, are you, what's the matter with you? Why, how do you let her do that? I said, what do you mean? Well, I can't stand somebody in my face like that. Eh, it doesn't bother me. She goes, she has got you like turkey painted up. I'm not kidding. You know? And I would go look in the mirror just to see what it looked like, and I, I can't say it was an improvement. You know? <laughs> I found out that who you are is who you are. And if you don't like what you see, change it. If what you see isn't what ought to be there, change it. But let God do the changing. Because when God does the changing, guess what? Well, you can't go wrong. And it really doesn't matter what other people think then. Because He's the one that's done it. You see, when God started making changes in my life, I was delighted with the changes. 
I mean, I was delighted. And he, he was taking one room at a time. He would move things out and put the right things in. And I loved the changes. It was a struggle at first because, you know, it's the war of the wills, you know. But when he started to do that, I loved who I was becoming. And the changes were obvious. And you know he's still making those changes. They're, they're, they're not nearly as big anymore. They're a little smaller because there's less to change because I'm becoming more like him. But the fact of the matter is, when he makes those small changes and I let go, I realize he needed to. Anybody been through that lately where God's just doing the small things in you? I think it happens in every phase of life. In every phase of life. If you're, if you're just beginning high school, by the time you end high school, you will have changed. If you're just beginning college, when you come out of college, you'll, just, you'll, you'll have changed. And when you have your first job and go to the next one, you'll have changed. When you have children, you'll have changed. And when you have grandchildren, you'll have changed. And when you get into the phase of life where anything that you do hurts the next day, you'll have changed. Okay, this is just life as it is. And you may sit and look at me and say, oh, no, but I'm telling you, watch and see. One day I'm going to be dead and gone, and if you're a younger person, you're going to be like, you know what? I remember pastor said that, and he was right. I know that because it happened to me for those who are dead and gone in my life. <laughs> Funny how it works. And I realized, you know, here several years ago, I looked in the mirror, and I realized I'd become my dad, much as I didn't want to be. <laughs> I have a little more hair than he does, but still. So the question is, have you ever looked at your face in the mirror and wished you could forget what you saw? It happens often. Sometimes it's because we don't like the physical reflection, but more often it's because we might not like who we are. And yet when we look at the Word of God and it shows us that we aren't who we should be, it immediately shows us, friends, what God sees, how He sees us, and how He wants us to be. And when that happens, we see what we could be, and that's perfect. Perfect. How many of you in here today want to be perfect? Listen, you're not raising your hands, but I know you do. I know you do. But we've been fed this lie for years and years and years by Satan that you can't be perfect. Nobody's perfect, and that's false. Because God created you, and when we're presented back to Him, the Bible says we'll be presented by the Son as perfect. And the reason is because of what He did. Amen? You're perfect. But unfortunately, many people see the Word of God as something that they, they'd rather not know. Because now it compels them to have to change and do things they don't want to. Because they like things just the way they are. Thank you very much. Oh, we'll accept the salvation. But, you know, beyond that, I'm not going to change. I know that because I was that person that did that. And don't tell me nobody else in here did that. See, we take a personal inventory of our personal selves, and we say, okay, I know the Word of God says this, but I'm going to pick and choose what I think is reasonable to change and what's not. Come on. Didn't you? And what we do is we treat the Word of God as something to go to when we need it, but pretty much get along just fine in life under our own guidance until the trouble comes, and then God's Word is our source of comfort. But before that, you know, we don't need it. 
James tells us that this is true. And if, and if one is a Christian and we don't obey the word in its entirety, we're that person who looks in the mirror and forgets what he or she looks like. Because we tend to claim we belong to God, but our lives outside of the word are not like Christ at all. But in our minds, we think we are. So what exactly does James say we should do with the word of God? Well, it's real simple. First of all, he says we have to hear the word of truth. Now, <laughs> this is interesting to me because, you know, hearing the word is essential. I know that's true because he says so. But, friends, I, I'm not sure we hear very well sometimes. Right? I know on Sunday morning some of you don't hear very well. That was, a, that was a joke. Maybe you're not laughing because it's true. Here, who's, who's not hearing? You see, I don't get upset if you don't hear anymore because it did not to me. I'm the messenger, that's all. God's a convictor. It's up to him, not me. I don't, I don't write sermons. I don't write messages, you know, thinking so-and-so needs to hear this. Not one of your faces or names has ever popped into my mind when I'm preparing a sermon thinking, ah, they need to hear this. Because it is my conviction. I'm bringing the word that God has given me, and you know what? You do with it as you wish. But that's between you and him, and he will have, have to say. So I would suggest today that you listen very carefully in here because God wants you to. Now, here's the thing. We learned last week that James says we must receive the Word of God. We have to receive the Word of God. And since our Mecca campus folks weren't here last week and some of you weren't here last week, I want to explain what that means briefly again. You see, hearing the Word of God is not necessarily receiving. Sometimes we're talking to somebody and they heard what we said, but it was clear to us that they really weren't listening. Have you ever been there? You know, you, you, you're talking and, and you think, but they're, you know, they're like, and then, what, and then you say, oh, yeah, and what, what did I just say? Uh, right? How many of you uh, uh, husbands and wives have had that happen in your, in your, in your life? Yeah, mm-hmm. Boy, some, some people do this and say, well, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, here's the thing, okay? You know, we don't like it when somebody does it to us because then we have to repeat ourselves, and neither does God like it when we hear what He's saying, but we aren't really listening. I mean, I, I got, have you ever told God without telling God audibly, talk to the hand? Who's done it? Who's told God to talk to the hand? Come on. You know you have. You don't say it, but you, you probably have done it. Okay, you know, uh, <laughs> I've actually made traffic stops, right? And I'll go to the window and I'll ask them if they know why I stopped them, right? You know, and uh, <laughs> almost invariably, no, they have no clue why. But they, you know darn well they do. And, uh, did I stop any of you? I can't remember. Anyway, so in any case, uh, I remember this one guy in particular, and he was so busy working on his phone because he was going someplace, he wasn't listening to a thing I said. Yep, nope, yep, no. Nope. And I said, did you just hear what I said? Uh, I'm thinking, dude, I mean, what if I just said, hey, uh, you know, either we can do this or we can, we can step out of the car or we can go to jail. What's it going to be? Right? It's like he, he, he didn't care. And then he said, look, look, he said, just, just give me the ticket. Just give me the ticket. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, really? You, you? And I told him when I got back, I said, you know what? This would have been so much faster and easier 
If you would listen to what I'm saying to you, but you're too busy working on your phone, as it is, this took three times as long as it should have. I would have just given you a verbal warning, probably. But now you have a citation <laughs> and a court date. Dumb. But and then, I, and then as much as I think how silly that is, I know that I've done it. I know that people do. It's like we do what we're interested in at that moment, but not necessarily anything that we ought to be doing. You know, and if we'll do it with people, we'll do it with our job, we'll do it with, you know, we're going to do it with God. I know we have. And I believe we've told God, talk to the hand without saying it. Because that's how God feels. I'm sure it is. I'm sure that, you know, I, when I've been talking to people, I, I feel like they think I'm insignificant. What I have to say doesn't matter. And I'm sure that I've done the same thing to him. And I began, I began to think about that. You see, James says that we must receive the word of God. The Greek word used for receive is the same word that Jesus used in John 20, 22, when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same Greek word. Notice he didn't say that except if you want to, because it wasn't optional. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm putting it in you. I'm imparting it into you. There's no, there's no option here. He didn't put it out there and say, take it if you want it. No, no, no. He said, receive it. It's yours. I'm putting it there in you. They got it before anybody else did. And then, of course, it came to them at Pentecost as well. And then from that point forward, we've all received it as soon as we said yes to Christ. Yes? The Spirit's in you if you're saved. Yes? Okay. So the fact of the matter is, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's not optional. If you get saved, the Spirit is in you. Now, the interesting thing about that is, um, when we have to receive the word of truth, that means that if the Spirit is in us, then the Word comes with it. Why? Because when we receive the Spirit of God, we also receive the person of God in Jesus Christ. And since He is the Word of God, then He's there too. So we receive the Spirit, the person of Christ, and the Word, who in the beginning was with God. Jesus is the Word. <laughs> so when James says, receive the Spirit of truth, what he's saying is, if you receive the Spirit, you're getting the Word along with it. Now, you may not understand all of it. That's what study is for. That's what spending time in is for. That's what doing Bible studies is for. That's what, you know, talking with each other, holding each other accountable. That's what that's for. When pastors preach and harp at you to spend time in the Word, spend time in the Word, spend time in the Word, there's a reason. Pray and read, pray and read, pray and read. We get tired of saying that, but you would think we wouldn't have to. Every Christian should know that that's something they should do. And yet, many Christians got up this morning and never cracked the Word of God, I guarantee you. Well, I'm going to church today, so I don't need to crack the Word. Really? Isn't that telling God, talk to the hand? I mean, I, I can't imagine not opening the Word of God pretty much every day. Because I'm different when I've done it. It changes my attitude when I've done it. It makes it always for the better. And believe me, some days I just want to wallow in self-pity. So do you. But when I get in the Word of God, it makes me humble myself before Him and realize I'm not in charge and He is. And even if I can't control what's happening, and that happened to me Friday. It made, it made pretty much Friday and yesterday a living hell for me. But God had a plan. He always does. And I got some encouragement from some people. And I realized that what Satan intends for bad, God uses for good. Every time. 
Friends, the word of truth and the spirit of truth are one and the same. So you can see that we must not only hear and receive the word, but once we have heard it and received it, it compels us to act. Otherwise, we're not a Christian. You, 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 you couldn't be. Because and I'm, I'm not trying to judge you in your Christianity. What I'm saying is, based on what I'm seeing here, if I have the spirit in me, it's going to compel me to do what I'm learning. I have no choice but to obey or I'm not a very good Christian. And then I find in Romans 2.13 that hearing isn't enough. Paul says, for it's not those who hear the law that are righteous in God's sight, but it's those who obey the law who will be declared as righteous. Wow. Not those who hear it, but those who obey it. What's he saying? Well, clearly, there are many people who hear the word but do nothing about it. I mean, isn't that what Paul's saying? Is it just me that sees it that way? Or sometimes I think people pick and choose what out of the word they want to obey, or even still, they'll pick certain things out of the word that they not only uh, agree with, but that they can use to live or act a certain way that suits them. I've watched people do that. I want to think this. I want to believe this. So I'll, I'll, I'll search the Scripture until I find something that seems to support that. I, I think that's dangerous. I wouldn't do that. For example, people love to quote scriptures to say things like, love your neighbor as yourself or judge not lest you be judged. But they don't use those things in the context that they were intended. They don't, friends, I'm telling you. They don't. I've watched it time and time and time again. I've been to school a very, very long time, okay? You know, I, and, and uh, yes, I, ha I have a PhD in theology, okay? But here's the thing. I don't think you need to have an education that high to understand the Word of God is the Word of God, and you shouldn't twist things to suit yourself. Amen? Those scriptures were not intended that way. They were never intended that way, and that's how we've used them because we wanted, well, you know what I say. We want to believe what we want to believe to do what we want to do. That's, that's humanity, you know? You see, they use these scriptures to make a point that any behavior that people display is acceptable when it is not. Loving your neighbors yourself doesn't mean accept anything they want to do. It doesn't mean that. But Satan's making society think that that's what it means, and it doesn't. And then they justify this belief system with believing that we have no right to judge anyone. That too is false. That's completely false. God did not say, don't judge anybody. He said, don't judge their status for heaven. That's all. Not their behavior. I mean, that's like saying that we can never tell someone if what they're doing is right or wrong. Well, then that means you can't tell your kid what they're doing is right or wrong. That means you can't tell people out there that murder is wrong, that you can't, that stealing is wrong. Seriously? The law would say otherwise. The fact is, neither of these statements are true because they've taken the Word of God out of context and they failed to look at it in conjunction with all the other scriptures as well. Jesus didn't say, don't judge. He said, don't judge the speck of dirt in your neighbor's eye when there's a plank in yours. That's the difference. And if you go further into that verse, he says, take it out and then become righteous, then do your judging. In other words, the key here is become righteous, be like God, be like me, and when you are... Now you have not only the right to judge, the responsibility of it too, because you know what's sinful and what is not. You know what the fruits of the Spirit are and what they are not. And you need to help your neighbor to understand it too so that they can have this relationship of righteousness with the Father. 
Isn't that what he's saying? It's 100% what he's saying. But Satan says, I, I, I don't want them to know what's righteous. So just tell people, don't, don't judge others. Don't judge others. In other words, let it be a free-for-all in their lives. That's, that's the enemy's plan. That's his message, not God's. You know how many Christian people say, don't judge? In what manner is the question? I can't come up to, to Pastor Bob or Mary or anybody in this front row and the rest of you that I can't see some of you back there, but here's the deal. I can't, I can't come up to you and say, you know, you're not a Christian, you're not going to heaven. That's not my call. But I can judge that you may not be a Christian based on the fruits I see in your life because the Word of God says what they should be. If you're in contrary to that, I would say there's something wrong with your Christianity. And don't I have a responsibility to tell someone, you know, your Christianity is not really matching up with what the Bible says it is? Yes. Is that judging? No, that's helping you out. <laughs> but yeah, I can judge it. I can judge what's Christian and what's not. And so should you. You see, friends, we have a responsibility to not only point out sinful behavior, but likewise, we can't condone it, compromise it, agree with it, or even turn a blind eye to it. For if we do, if we turn a blind eye to it, condone it, or just don't mess with it at all, if we do, we are just as guilty as those who are doing it. I know that because the Bible says so. More on that later. But the truth of the matter is, we must hear and receive the word of truth. And if we're a Christian, it's not optional. If we aren't receiving the word, then, friends, I have to tell you, I doubt that we're Christian. If you won't receive, um, God gets to make that call. But I have to tell you, if I won't receive the word, then my guess is he's going to say, away from me. I, I, I never knew you. Secondly, we have to know the word of truth. I think this is where we struggle the most, see. We might be willing to receive it, but knowing it, that's something else. Because then you've got to study it. <laughs> then you've got to apply it, see. I, I actually had a person tell me one time, la, 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 don't tell me because then I'm responsible. I don't want to be responsible. A Christian told me that. I don't want to know. Really? You think because you don't listen to what your pastor is telling you that somehow you're not responsible for it? What's the Spirit telling you in here? <laughs> Again, I'm just a messenger. You're responsible, whether you think you know it or not. The Bible says so, my friends. You see, knowing God's Word is also essential. In fact, in John 6, 44 to 45, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from Him comes to me. Now, this is an, this is a, an incredible scripture, and I'll tell you why. Because, well, let, let, let me reverse here a minute. This also is not optional. Do, do I have your attention? I'm, are, are you with me here? This is not optional, okay? So many people struggle to get into the Word and make it part of their daily lives that they guess at what it says and what it means. I can't tell you how many Christians I talk to that tell me the Bible says this and the Bible says that, and I just step back and look at them and smile and say, yeah, Where? Must have been in Second Queens or something. <laughs> I heard a person tell me, you know, 
I've, I've told you guys this before, you know. The Bible says you should love the sinner and hate the sin. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Nowhere. Really? <laughs> really? I thought it did. Yeah, that's your problem. <laughs> Thinking. It doesn't say that. Anywhere. Now, is the concept there? Yes. Yes. But who said it? Gandhi said it. Actually, you want to get technical, St. Augustine said it. He's right, mind you, but that's not, those words are not in the Scripture. But when someone claims that it is, what does that tell you? They haven't been in there very often, have they? How many of you thought that that was in the Bible? Be honest. Who thought that love the sin or hate the sin was in the Bible? I'll tell you what. This is the one time I'm going to tell you, pick out your phones and look it up. <laughs> it's not in there. You won't find it in any verse. How many of you knew that it's not in there? Good. Okay. Here's the thing, friends. When we guess what the Bible says, we're almost always wrong. Did you know that? Calvinists have been hanging their hat on this passage for years. First, we have to understand what it is not saying. Then we have to go back and understand what it is saying. All right? Now, you know, if you're an evangelical believer like Wesleyan Church is, and, and let, me, let me explain that, okay? Calvinists are usually most Baptist churches and a few others, uh, with the exception of American Baptists, like out here on Poplar, First Baptist is, is not. It's a, it's a Wesleyan Armenian like we are. Um, churches in town that are Wesleyan Armenian are us, World Gospel. Well, that's sort of changing. But Maryland is Wesleyan Armenian. Um, uh, any United Missionary Church, any churches, the Nazarene, most all free Methodist churches, most United Methodist churches. Don't even get started there. Uh, but but those those are Wesleyan Armenian theology churches. Okay, if you're a General Baptist or some one of the Baptist denominations, chances are very good that you might use this verse for a theology that we don't we don't agree with. Okay, and, and let me explain to you what this means because I think people don't don't, don't get it. Jesus did not say that God only draws certain people to himself. He didn't say that. I mean, I know that's what the Scripture seems to say, but that's not what he said. He doesn't pick and choose who can be saved and who can't. We choose to be drawn by the Spirit that lives within us. You see, friends, if you don't want the Spirit, God will not force the Spirit upon you. In fact, the Bible tells us that it is we who reject it and will be given over to a depraved mind so that our hearts will grow hard toward it if we don't want it. Like, there's four or five scriptures that talk about that. I didn't even put them in there because I'm telling you they're there. Look them up, you'll find them. Now, if we're open to the, to the Spirit and we see our need for salvation, as praise God I did. Anybody? I saw my need for salvation, okay? God will then impart His Spirit upon us, we'll get saved, and if the Spirit then will draw us to God through the Son. Jesus even says that we'll be taught by God. And the only way for that to happen is if the Spirit and the Word of Truth is in us. But as it is, if we, if we don't have a need for the Word of Truth nor the Spirit, then how can we be drawn to the Father? We're going to reject it. If we don't see our need for Christ, we don't see our need for God, we don't need to see our need for salvation, we're not going to be drawn to Him. It's not until you see your need that you are. Now, sometimes that's through travesty and tragedy, difficulty, and to tell you the truth, God doesn't much care what you have to go through to see your need. He just wants you to see your need. 
so he can draw all peoples to himself. The Bible says, I will draw all peoples to myself. Now, now, if he's only going to draw certain people, that's contradictory to the other verse. God never contradicts himself. That's why I struggle when people say, well, God picks and chooses who can be saved. No. No. We do. <laughs> you see, we can't be drawn to the Father if we don't want it. That's why it's so important to hear, receive, and know the word of truth because everything else is quite simply a lie. And the enemy is good about mixing lies and truth to make it sound believable to you. Because everybody, no, nobody wants to be an atheist. Well, there's a few out there. But most people don't really want to be an, an, an atheist. But they don't want to be what they call a holy roller Christian either. We like the middle of the road. <laughs> there's no such thing in Christianity. Either in or out. When Christ returns, you are in or out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you're out, you're going to go through the great tribulation. And Jesus said, you shall not want to see it. I'm pretty sure. I don't know what it all is, and I'm pretty sure I don't want to see it. Anybody? Okay. Now, we're seeing this in society and even in the church today. Paul said it would happen, and it is. Romans 128 in the, in the, in the new, new century version, I love this. People did not think it was important to have a true knowledge of God, so God left them and allowed them to have their own worthless thinking and do things that they should not do. Yes. Is that happening today? I mean, when we know God, we know His word of truth. And this is what keeps us from doing, friends, what we should not be doing. I mean, otherwise, how would we know? I mean, it's, it's true that you could be doing wrong things and not know what you're doing is wrong. That's why we have people to teach us. That's why our parents are there. That's why, you know, the law is there. That's why, you know, the cops are there for crying out loud. Although, you know, today we can't stand the cops. But the fact of the matter is there's a reason for it. And I can tell you this, I've been on calls before as a deputy when people I know couldn't stand cops, but they needed one, they were sure glad to have one. Okay? So it's all relative, isn't it? You see, knowing is not enough still. Romans 2, 17 to 23 in the New Living Translation, you who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law and you boast about your special relationship with Him. You know what He wants. You know what is right because you've been taught this law. You're convinced that you're a guide for the blind and a light for the people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. Now, this is where the hook comes. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. Wow. See, that's why people don't like to get in Romans too much. Because <laughs> Paul's like, uh, here it is. Huh? Thirdly, friends, we have to not only know the word of truth, we have to believe it. Now, you, you would think, I wouldn't need to put this in here, that you've got to believe the word of truth. But somehow in my mind, God was telling me, you know what? Sure enough, there's going to be somebody that's going to listen to this, either in the church or on the website or on the app or something. Somebody's, maybe somebody's going to pick it up somewhere. They're going to say, oh, and they're listening to it. Oh. And they're not going to know that they have to believe the word. And then it dawned on me, I wonder how many people actually read the Bible, but they don't re read it in order to change. They read it just for knowledge or just for historical understanding. 
There's a lot of history in there. Remember that word balance I told you about many weeks ago, how the head and the heart had to be in balance together? Well, there's head knowledge of the Scripture and there's heart knowledge of the Scripture and they go together. Some people are all head knowledge. This is what it says and that's it. Some people are like, oh, but you know, but you know. Yeah, I do know. But here's the thing. They got to go together. Because like I'm going to tell you here in a few minutes, I believe in grace and love and mercy and I think I'm glad that they're there, but there's going to be judgment. And you can't just do what you want. Don't take my word for it, take his. Because that's what he's saying. So we have to believe the word of truth because believing the word is essential. Romans 5, 1 to 2, therefore, since we have justified through faith, we have peace through, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. You see, friends, this to me is the relative point. And I want you to grasp this today. If you have a pen, mark this down because this is important. If we truly believe in Jesus Christ, then we have no choice but to believe in the word of truth since he is the word of truth. You can't just get saved and then throw this out the window. You can't just get saved and say, that's all I need. But you know what? There's a lot of Christians that do that. You know, like, again, another thing, I'm, I'm using Scott today a little bit because we had these conversations. And, here, and uh, I remember uh, a number of uh, months ago, he said to me, he said, Dan, why do people get, get upset when I make comments about certain things and they, and they get angry when I'm just speaking the truth? I said, like what? He said, you know, I had the audacity to put on Facebook, why won't Christians tithe? He said, they tore me up. I said, because they don't want to tithe, Scott. He goes, I, I, I know that, man. I know. But why would they be mad at me when I'm just, because they don't, they don't not only don't like the law of it, they don't like the messenger neither. Because they want to believe it. I said, but it wasn't anybody in your own church that did it. Oh, yes, it was. I'm like, wow. I wonder what you're talking about me behind my back. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Come on, liven up. <laughs> I mean, do we, do we shoot the messenger? Do we not want to do what the Word says or not want to believe it so much that we would literally do anything not to have to do it? I, I'm not sure that we wouldn't. You see, perhaps our problem then is that we really don't believe in God. Maybe we really don't believe in the Son of God. Maybe we really don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Maybe we really don't believe in a real heaven and a real hell. Because you know what? I, th I think Satan's out there teaching that today. I think he's saying there's no such thing as a real heaven and a real hell. I've heard, people, I've heard Christians tell me that. I, th I think that might be our biggest problem in society today. It's almost as if they'll believe it when it happens. But by then, it's kind of late. Or they sort of believe it, but since nothing has happened to prove it, they're lackluster in their belief system. Well, you know, maybe it's going to happen, but, you know, uh, maybe I'll be able to, to, to make that decision when I see things coming that maybe proves it. Mm. You, you, it's, Jesus said, like a thief in the night, you won't have time. Now, either you believe him or you don't. I tend to believe him. Okay? You see, friends, there's really no excuse not to live your life as if you believe it, if you, in fact, do believe it. So everybody in here has got to make a decision today. Either I believe in God, I believe in the Son of God, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in heaven and hell, or I don't. 
I mean, that's, that's really what God drew you here today to, to, to decide in your mind. Either you do or you don't. Because if you do, now there's no excuse not to implement it into your life because you know what's coming if you don't. See, that's, that's the, we need to bring it back. See, Satan's out here throwing all of these things at us. And we're, so we're, we're out here screwing around with all these different ideas that we might disagree on. Let's go back to the basics, bring it all back down the funnel into that lowest point. Do you believe in God and the Son of God? Do you believe in a heaven and hell because the Bible says so or not? That's the relative question. And if you do, then that will make some sense here. But if you don't, there's the door. Because you're, 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 you're wasting time. You're wasting time. Now, I'd like you to stick around and find out. And I'm hoping that you will. But here's the thing. Belief in faith alone is not enough. I, I know that, that people are like, what? The Bible says believe in, yeah, but it's more than that. Because if you believe, now there's a responsibility. See there? There's another word we don't like. Okay? Even if I could believe, I'm not sure I want to be responsible for it. Right? Come on. Okay? James 2.24 in the Christian uh, uh, CEV edition. You can now see that we please God by what we do and not only by what we believe. Did you hear that? We please God by what we do and not only what we believe. Now, what's James saying? Obviously, he's equating belief with faith. The writer of Hebrews does the same. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance for, about what we do not see. The question is, can we truly believe in something that we can't see? Well, that's a million-dollar question. And a lot of people can't. It's almost like we live in a show-me society now, right? We live, you know why? Because, because infomercials and all these, these things that we're, people are sick and tired of being taken advantage of. Well, I promise if you buy this, it'll do this. And you find out it doesn't do that at all. And you were swindled or lied to. Or they didn't give you all the truth about it. And so we've become so cynical that we want to see to believe. And as I began to think about friends, I thought, wow, do I feel that way? And then I, then I realized to myself, okay, let's look at what we know here. The fact is, I personally don't have to see Jesus visually to know he exists. I've seen him with my spiritual eyes, and since he lives within me, I know he's everything he claims to be. What do you think? I've seen his hand working in my life and all around me. And if nothing else, I know he saved me, and that alone proves to me who he is. And I hope you have the same things within you. Jesus said, blessed are they who have not seen yet believe. And I'd like to think that you've all experienced the exact same idea. And when you see, when you hear and feel Jesus, how can you not believe in him? How can you not believe in his word? And you say you believe in both. Then if you do, how can you not do it? That's a compelling question, isn't it? Moving right along. Here we go. Now we come to the obedience. Now we must obey the word of truth by doing it. We must obey the word of truth by doing it. And friends, I know that this is a lot of information. I know I'm giving you a big sermon today. I, I, most of these in this are. But here's the problem. If I split these up into smaller portions, you'll forget from one week to the next what we talked about. You will. 
I know that because I guarantee you, by Tuesday this week, if I could call every single one of you up, i say, what, what was the sermon about? You'd be like, uh, uh. when I went to the Push Pay Conference uh, down in Dallas, uh, they said, this is what they said to us. And I shared this with the board. I'm going to share it with you. Are we, John, are we, are we taping? Audio? No, a, a video. Uh, I think we can get around and watch it. Cool. <laughs> I have lines here. I can't go outside the lines or they can't see me. Okay, so here's the deal. They said, look, guys, here's the deal, all you pastors. And, and most of the pastors in there, you know, I've been in ministry 30 years. But some of them have been in there just a few years, you know, and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, and people in between. And this is what we found. He said, Kerry Newoff is, a, is a, an amazing guy. Pastor Chris is on his website now, right? Would you say he's an incredible guy? He doesn't even pastor anymore. All he does is blog helping pastors who are pastoring to be better pastors. Yeah? Great guy. Smart guy. Canadian, smart. And, 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 and this, is, this is what he said. He said, listen, you guys, you put, every church does it, you put more effort in your ministry and in, in your worship team and in all the activities for Sunday morning, you put more effort into Sunday morning, into that sermon and that service than any other service or message throughout the week. It's a fact. And it's the least effective. And everybody went, oh, yeah? Why is that? And so I, I didn't actually cross. I saw a lot of guys fidget in their chair and do this. And I thought, well, before I do that, Carrie, I know you're going to let that your pause for effect, and then you're going to tell us why. So I said, okay, I'm listening. And he said, He's, here's the deal. Because when you do these other services where maybe there's, you know, it's a midweek or it's a whatever. And he said, think about the things that you do. Well, we have Bible Story Cafe with Dr. D. We have our Wednesday night, you know, one-on-one teaching where I go very deep into the, you know, breaking apart the, the Greek and, you know, Hebrew if I have to. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm saying? From whatever we're doing. And we say, okay, this is what was said. What, what does it really mean here? And we're, we're exhaustive. We go very slowly. Yeah. You know that because it will spend sometimes one verse is our entire, Yeah. Okay, so that, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I teach. That's what I do. So because of that, I'm going to do that. And here's the thing. So you do that or, or whatever. And then Mecca, we have our Thursday night, same thing. And here's the thing. So, but people can interact with you. They can ask questions. You can talk about relevancy, you know, in life. And people can bring things up where when it's just a message, you're doing the speaking and everybody else is just doing the listening. And you have no idea how it's hitting them, what they're thinking, where and what parts are, you know, you don't know. So you're just giving, and they're receiving or not. But if they're in an interaction with you, now we can talk about those things. It makes sense to me. So those services are way more effective than just the Sunday morning services. But which one do you think I put more time into? Probably. Probably. So we have a plan in place now where we're going to change that. You don't know what it is yet. I'll tell you later. But, but we have a plan in place that you're going to be able to break apart the Sunday morning sermon and talk about it with people. And it's going to be cool. And everybody in here has got to do it, I'm telling you. you got to do it. This is being done in other churches, and it's being done. And they said they, they saw the awareness, spiritual awareness go up by 60%. That's you. That's a big number. If it was 30%, I would do it. No kidding. Okay? You, you see here? So we have to learn what's going on. We have to obey and put in, in practice what's happening there. Because according to the Bible, if we don't, we're being deceived. You, you, already, you already know you don't like being deceived. So we got to stop being deceived. He says, 
verse 22 alone says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Clearly, God is telling us through James that there are lots of people in the church that are deceiving themselves. And the question is, why? Because he isn't talking to unbelievers, friends. He's not talking to unbelievers. This was written to Christians. James is very clear that the church is filled with so-called Christians who merely love the idea of escaping eternal death. But they live for this life rather than the one that's eternal. And God is not interested in us doing that. In fact, we're only deceiving ourselves when we put anything above God. And this, this is the hook for me because, you see, friends, the Word of God demands that God is number one. And be honest, how many of you really put God number one in your life? Now, come on. Now, come on. Before you start saying, I do, listen. I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I want you to listen. Secondly, if not, what would it take today, right now, this instant, for you to make that decision? I mean, honestly. Be honest. What would it take? Because listen, I know you're busy. God knows you're busy. He knows you've got plans and dreams and things you're getting ready to do. He knows all that. But he wants to go along with you. In fact, he wants to go before you. Not, not oh, oh, come on, God, when you got time. Yeah. If you think God is number one, what would God say? See, that's where the killer is. you got to say, okay, I think God's number one, but would God tell me he's number one? Whew. There's a big difference between what I think and what God says. Sometimes. And as I begin to think about that, what would God have to do in you? What would he have to show you that you would put him before you do anything else to start the day? That you would put him before your money, before your stuff, before your job. What would he have to do for you to put him before yourself? What would he have to do to put him before your spouse? Here's a big one. What would he have to do in you to put him before your children? Because that's what he's demanding. Have you had that conversation with God yet? Because if not, you need to have it. You see, this is where we fail, and Satan knows it. Satan helps us to put more emphasis on all these good and necessary things, which incidentally are a gift from God, not Satan. But he uses them to put a wedge between us and God, you see, a separation, or at least change our priority from where they ought to be. And the world will say to you, and, 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 and lackluster Christians or weak Christians will say, I'm not putting my Bible study before my children. Really? You better be in the Bible study to find out what kind of parent you ought to be. Because when you put God first, He knows that you will put emphasis on your children where it ought to be. And your children will get that and more from you. You'll be a better parent, I guarantee you. You'll love them more too. Guaranteed. You know why? I did it. It was hard. It was a hard change. Because I found when I did it, I was actually trying to parent in my own strength. You know what? You're not a very good parent when you do that. Anybody identify? Okay. You see, here's what happens. Satan uses all these things, these good things, to gain your attention, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Friends, seriously. So Jesus said we do a lot of good things, but we've forgotten our first love. Revelation 2, 4, and 5, yet I hold this against you. You've for forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Did you hear that? I mean, did you really hear that? 
Friends, this is serious. Jesus himself is speaking to the church. He's stating that we, we have to put him back in his rightful place or he's going to remove us from the Lamb's book of life. That's what he said. He's going to remove us. This, this is Christ talking. Okay? And yeah, John wrote it, but who, who, who revealed it to him? Jesus himself did. Now, here's the question. Who in here wants that to, to happen? Who in here wants to be removed from the Lamb's book of life? Certainly not me. I think there's Christians out there who've been removed and they don't know it. I'm telling you. You see, Paul says there is a deception that's all around us. In fact, he asked the church at Galatia, and we, and we talked about this a little bit at Mecca the other night. Uh, he says, who has bewitched you? Now, I like the New Heart English Bible version in Galatians 3.1. He says, foolish people, who has cunningly deceived you? you? You who know for certain that Jesus Christ was openly set forth as crucified? In other words, if, if you know that Christ was crucified and that it happened so that you could be saved from eternal damnation, that you could be set free from bondage, that you would have power from on high every single second of every single day for every single thing that would come into your life, what in the Sam Hill are we doing? Why isn't Christ absolutely first, if you know that? See, either you don't know it or you don't believe it. it that's where the rubber meets the road. There is no other explanation. There, you, you'll make one up, but there isn't one. Either you don't know it or you don't believe it. Because if you believed it, you would do it. If you don't know it, you don't know it. You see, if you don't put him first, it will be obvious in your life. And let's be honest, there are way too many people right here this morning who know darn well that Jesus is not first in their lives, at least not all the time. I'm telling you. It's even happened to me on certain things. So what does he say to that? Well, clearly, you aren't obeying the word of truth. He has two things to say. Revelation 3.16. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I, I don't know exactly what that means, but I don't want it. Anybody? He secondly says, Jesus did in the CEV version of Luke 13, 27, but he will say, I really don't know who you are. Get away from me, you evil people. I, I, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who are believers. Friends, Jesus is not playing around. In fact, he knows Satan is powerful and very present in this world. He knows that Satan isn't trying to get you not to believe although for some he has. He wants you to be lukewarm, middle of the road, all about self and family. And when it's gone too far, and for some it might be, which means you have to get back right with God and change your ways right now. Because if you don't, friends, you may well hear, get away from me, I don't know you. Now, that, that time could be any second now. Maybe days, weeks, maybe even years, I doubt it. I did my postdoctoral work, you know, friends, in... Uh, apocalyptic literature. I studied Revelation up and down to the end, and I still don't know it all. In fact, the more I know, the less I really know. Okay? I had professors that were brilliant in this stuff, and they didn't know. But I can tell you that the world events that are happening in Europe and the Middle East right now, brother, they're coming together. I can see them lining up right now. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, the things that are happening in our government, we're turning to a point where it'll align perfectly with exactly what the Antichrist wants to do. That's a sermon for. Yeah. But I'm telling you. Okay. 
Friends, this is going to be a surprise to people. It shouldn't be, but it will be. You have some time right now, at least in the next few seconds anyway, I think. So why not take advantage of that right now? Right now, today. Don't, don't even think about leaving this place today without getting right. Don't even think about, I'm not saying you're not saved. Maybe you're not. Maybe you found out today you weren't. So get saved right now. What, maybe you haven't given God your, your best. Maybe he's, his priority isn't at the top. Of the, of, well, then change it right now, today. He knows you're going to struggle. He'll help you. The devil knows it too, and he's going to be on your heart, I promise you. Okay? You see, friends, if we don't, then we have this wrong view of ourselves, and I'm going to end the sermon here and not do the last point because I don't, I don't think it's that important. I've never done that before, I don't think. But here's the thing. Okay, so... You see, this is what James talked about. Most Christians, when they hear this stuff, don't believe that it applies to them. I know I didn't for a long time. I didn't think it applied to me because I figured I was just where I needed to be. Because in their mind, they're doing all the right things. But the, the fact is, James says, your mind will deceive you. Because I've told you time and again, God will tell you to go get the new car if you want it bad enough. Right? I mean, the other day, my, daughter, my granddaughter, Vanessa, and I were out running around, you know, uh, and I didn't really want to be running around, but I had to be. And so um, she said, you know, Papa, she said, I, she goes, oh, that's Dairy Queen. I said, yes, it is. She said, I would like a slushie. And I said, okay. Vanessa asked for slushies. You're going to get slushies. And so we go there, and I'm thinking to myself, and the, the little voices, I'm trying to keep my girlish figure, and the little voices were telling me, get the ice cream cone, get the ice cream cone. And my and my and myself, who knows I shouldn't have it, said, "You know what? Just because she's getting a slushy doesn't mean you need to get an ice cream cone." But I wanted it pretty badly, and so ten minutes later, you saw me walk around Royal King with with, with the ice cream cone, and I knew I shouldn't have done it. I knew it, right? And you think, well, that's kind of silly. No, but but that's how it's settled like that. That's how it gets in. Okay, that's how it works. Now, the ice cream cone might not have been that big of a deal, but there might be some things that will be. Amen? That's my point, friends. So your mind will deceive you. That's what we've been talking about. And the only way to know is if you come to the altar, get on your knees, and ask God right now, which person am I? Who am I? Don't guess. Don't think you know. Ask him and do it today. And everybody in here has to do it. You know why? Because you've been, you've been duly informed. And it wasn't by me. I didn't do it. It's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And if you didn't listen today, he's going to pursue you wherever you go. See, I don't have to worry about that because I know he's going to do it. If you're not right and you need to change, he's going to pursue you. That's a fact, okay? So here's the question. Am I the righteous son or daughter of God who not only hears and receives the word but believes and does it too? Or am I that person who cracks the Bible sometimes, who aligns my belief system with other people who claim to be Christian? Do I put God first or do, will I admit that sometimes maybe I haven't? Friends, allow God to be the measuring stick today. Don't make up your own mind and don't let anyone else tell you. Seek the Lord while he may be found and he will tell you. The Bible is clear about that. Look in the mirror of God today. Stand with me as our worship team comes. And here's the deal. I'm not, I'm not going to get into this whole thing on the mirror, but the deal is the mirror, according to James, is the perfect law of freedom. And it is because it's flawless. It's complete. And it perfects us. How? 
because it forgives our sins, it returns us to the family of God, and it, then it makes us mature in Christ, and you, we usually stop at that point. We like the forgiveness, we like the return to the family, but that's as far as we really want to go. And God says, no, I need you to come up here and be mature in me. And that's what he's asking you to do today. And you know what? We have some maturing to do. As a person, as a church, as a community, and as a Catholic church universal. Small c. Catholic means universal. And that's what, I'm not talking about the Roman Catholic church. They're part of us. Everybody who's a Christian believer needs to come together as a church and turn this town upside down. And does it matter if Brazil does it or Sullivan does it? Yes, but I'm not going to worry about that because I'm ministering here. We're here, okay? We're ministering together. We're going to turn Terre Haute, Clinton, Rockville upside down. You know why? Because God wants to. And he's going to use you and me to do it. And God's saying, are you in? I've got every resource, every protection, everything you could possibly need, and I will be with you even to the end of the age. Matthew 28. Yes or no? Friends, it's up to you. He frees you from the bondage of sin. You don't have to take second best. You don't have to succumb to failure. You don't have to fall. You don't have to do any of these things anymore. Why? I don't have to because Jesus said, I am with you.